This is Agents Influence Podcast. If agents and brokers can begin to embrace those technologies and help their customers with everything from smart homes to robotics in their manufacturing facilities, understand how to embrace those technologies and use that data to better protect those firms and provide the risk transfer mechanism, I think that we're going to see a resurgence of agent-broker engagement with insurance at all levels. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode, another great episode of Agents Influence Podcast, Conversations with Jason Katz. That's me, the host. You know that as a loyal listener. And today I have Mr. Frank Sittner on, and what I want to talk about with him is a lot of great things, okay? We have some things that I'm going to dive into. Frank and I have no agenda other than to talk about some things in the industry. But before we do, I want to let you know, you need to go to AIBrainShare.com. Go to AIBrainShare.com. We have our waiting list there, and we are starting to get people who are now signing up. And to be honest with you, it's a little crazy. So go to the waiting list of AIBrainShare.com and sign up for that. Also, you can get the BrainShare uh, recording downloads uh, from this year on there as well. But anyways, I just want to let you know about that, AIBrainShare.com. So, Frank, welcome to Agents Influence uh, Podcast. How are you doing? I'm very fine. Thank you, Jason. You're a busy man. I know you just got off a podcast, or not a podcast, a webinar with Accord. And and, and tell to the loyal listeners what, what, what that uh, webinar was about. Now, that was the uh, monthly meeting of the uh, Standards Project Group for Blockchain Distributed Ledger Technology. And I just told him when he told me that, I said, Frank, that just sounds riveting. I'm telling you, that just sounded like, wow. But that's the kind of person, already framing it up for you, loyal listeners, that Frank is. Now, you know who Frank is because you already listened to the podcast that we um, dissected that he did with Sydney and Seth. And it got me thinking, and I told this to Frank just a little bit because, as you know, loyal listeners, we try not to talk a lot before because we want the conversation to be raw, pure, and unedited for you. But I told Frank, I said, we're really able in everything we do, able to learn from our history. And one of the things that we talk about a lot with Neon and a lot of technology, Frank, is we talk about, we we, we like to talk about the future and what's wrong now and how we can fix it and what it'll look like in the future. But I think sometimes it's very important that we look back. Because, you know, Dan Burris talks about it, the futurist, he talks about hard trends and soft trends. And he says, it's from looking back is how you can look to now and look forward to develop those hard and soft trends to be able to tell the future. And I think that that's really important. And that's what I want to hit on today, Frank. Does that sound fun? That sounds like fun. I think it will be. And it always is. Um, it, It always is guaranteed. That's why people tune in. Before we do, the listeners are curious. And I think I know the answer to this, but Frank, are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? (laughs) I'm an iPhone. You are an iPhone user. Okay. I actually was wrong. I really (laughs) thought that you would probably be a Droid user. A lot of developers and tech people sometimes are. We've noticed that people at the C-suite level, executives usually are more of the iPhone. So that just shows who you are, Frank. Just shows who you are. That's a... a man of many talents. And in those talents and in the life and in the history we're going to talk about, uh, what would you say? Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Gosh, I think those amount to the same thing. <laughs> I like it. Uh, it it kind of does. Yeah. I, I, I have in my life focused primarily on doing the best possible job that I can for my customers, for my employees, for my family. And I think if you focus on doing that, regardless of whether you quote win or lose, you're, you're, you're doing what needs to be done. 
I'm profoundly aware in my own career, looking back, how much luck played into uh, my success. Well, that's very interesting because the next question is, Frank, if you had to, if there was only two things in the world that you could base your success and where you are on today, and you had to choose one of those two, and it was between luck or skill, what would you see has been a bigger factor into bringing you to where you are right now? <laughs> well, I'm going to have to go with luck, as I just said. Right. That's I know. That's I mean, seriously, that's always the third question I ask. Because mm-hmm. that was pretty good. Um, so, so you would say luck? Yeah. I, a good friend of mine, Dennis Maroney says better lucky than smart. Hmm. A lot of smart people, <laughs> a lot of smart people are undone by things completely beyond their control. And, uh, you know, it's funny how we interpret things at the time. At the time, I really thought I was terrifically smart. And uh, when I look back on the things that occurred, and in particular, the things that made a critical difference in a, a, a turning point for me, in many cases, it was a matter of luck. Huh. That's interesting. Frank, how old are you? 70. Well, I'll be 70 in March. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were about 60. Okay. That's great. That's fantastic. No, seriously. Brain is very sharp, you know, and you're still a very, very active person. So that's fantastic. That's good for a guy like me who's 41, wondering what it's going to be like, you know? Yeah, and I, a long time to go. I, well, I'm, I keep telling myself that as well, Frank. So, um, yeah, that's good. You see, I love stuff like that. I absolutely love stuff like that. That's the wisdom right? That's the stuff that sometimes the millennials don't want to stop and listen to sometimes. I was talking with one of my friends yesterday and one of my well-regarded friends in the industry. And he, I wanted him to call this guy, Frank. I wanted him to call this guy and I wanted him to, this is a very well-known consultant who I know very well. And I really, when I was talking with this consultant, this guy, this agent friend of mine, he came to my mind. So I called him and I said, Hey, this guy, you might want to talk to this guy. Da, 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 da. And for like, that was like two months ago. Never did. I'm talking with him yesterday. And he said, Jason, I'm just going to tell you, man. He said, I called him and we only talked for a second and I had to get off the phone and I just never looked forward to getting back on the phone with him. And I said, why? And he said, this is so shallow of me. He said, he said, but I just felt like he was going to talk to me about his grandkids. <laughs> and I was like, wow. I'm like, holy cow, dude. He's like, I feel like crap saying that. <laughs> what he didn't understand was, is he would not have heard about his grandkids, but he would have heard about things that were important of the thing, like what you just said, upon looking back, I realized that I thought I was smart, but I look back and realize that a lot of things are luck. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's just you, right, Frank? That's probably a lot of people, right? You look back and you were like, hey, I was born at the right time, or I had great successful parents who made life easier for me, or maybe I came from the hood and, or I came from poverty and that's what propelled me forward. You know, could be a lot of things like that, but, uh, that's interesting. Okay. So anyways, Frank, sorry, we got off there, but that was good stuff. I like that stuff. See, I like that stuff, Frank. Tell tell us, take us back to college as far as you can go back and you feel like going back and bring us forward to give us you know, that timeline to where you are now so we can relate. Okay. So uh, I was in college during the Vietnam War and graduated in 72 from Seton Hall University in New Jersey. I was dedicated uh, in the early part of my work career to helping mentally retarded adults, kids with um, emotional disturbance. And uh, I worked in that for several years. Um, Wow. Got married and had a couple of kids and uh, realized that I wasn't going to be able to feed them. Uh, I was making a whopping $10,000 a year in 76 when I got the job selling a computer system to insurance agents. So, wow. The, wow. Yeah. And uh, I knew nothing about computers, nothing about uh, insurance, <laughs> nothing about accounting, nothing about sales. But my best friend from college was the sales manager, and that's how I got the job. <laughs> oh, and I lived in the right place. I, I, I had the central. Uh, Mid-Atlantic states uh, region. 
and you know, I was, here's part of the, the, the fortunate stuff. I mean, you have to do the work, you have to put in the work, but I was fortunate that I met a number of really helpful insurance agents. Uh, one in particular, Ted Zutz from Zutz Insurance in Wilmington, Delaware. And he realized right off the bat, I knew nothing about insurance. And he told me that in order to sell into any business, you really need to understand that business. And they were a commercial lines insurance agency. And they had people who focused on specific verticals, specific industries, because they knew that they couldn't sell insurance to someone if they didn't understand their needs. And he said, so if you come every Friday for the next uh, three or four Fridays to my office, in the morning, I'll teach you insurance. And in the afternoon, you teach me your computer system. And we did that. It wound up being six weeks. It was as good a primer in insurance, uh, both the principles of insurance and the practice, as um, I believe anyone could have ever had. He is and was a, a, a terrific human being. And I learned an awful lot about my the system I was selling just by the questions he asked me. So hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, I took that opportunity. Um, so I get credit for it, I guess. But the fact that it happened to be Ted Zutz that I called on and that he was who he was is incredibly lucky for me. And very good point. That, Very good point. That propelled my success with that system, uh, ultimately prepared me for the consulting work that I subsequently began doing and sort of gave me a template for what I wanted to be as a business person. I was uh, up to that point in time, fairly judgmental about the people that I was selling to, you know, because I came from human services. So mm-hmm. huh. it was it was a great opportunity. And so I consider that luck could be kismet, you know, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, and there's so many examples like that, where I look back, the, the technical guy who worked for the company that I was hired for was incredibly patient with me and taught me an enormous amount about the system uh, and how it operated and what the fundamentals of the technology were. And I was just curious, you know, I mean, so I can go down the the, the list in my career of the the enormous advantages that I've had and for which I'm incredibly grateful. That's great. That's great. And one of the reasons why where you can just get super, uh, you know, lucky and, and, and be grateful is this industry. Yeah. This industry is a unique industry. I mean, it really, truly is. And uh, I think the more you are in this industry, whether how involved you get or not, when you start looking at some of your community and you start looking at other communities and other industries, I mean, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. It really truly is. So, so, okay. And that's great. And then, so you correct, uh, had a management system. You actually, you and a couple other people created a management system, which a lot of us still use today, um, called Sajida. Am I right? Correct. Correct. My yeah. my partner, Dave Murdoch, technical partner, um, my insurance agency partner, Jerry Levy, who was an insurance agent from Long Island, uh, and I uh, created Sajida along with a whole bunch of other people eventually. But initially, it was just the three of us. Do you know a lot about the history, Frank, of insurance going back to 300 years? Sure. I mean, uh, I've I've Studied about Lloyd's of London, uh, about the the coffee shops, mm-hmm. about the the social contract that insurance represents. It, it it's interesting. Uh, at one time, and not that long before I got involved in insurance, it was still going on. Insurance companies provided a lot of services beyond the simple contractual transfer of risk. Uh, They provided loss control services, engineering services. They helped their customers uh, mitigate their exposures. And that's a very hands-on, involved, personal, sticky in the sense of Mm -hmm. of, uh, people not uh, churning uh, and looking for simply some other cheaper alternative. And uh, over the, the last 
40 years, we've gotten away from that. I've been in the business 43 years. In some cases, agents have taken up the charge, especially if they had a specialty in grocery stores or something like that. They hired some of those loss control uh, specialists or engineers. And if I, I fast forward to yesterday, we had uh, the two-day conference here in Hartford, the InsurTech Hartford Symposium. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the speakers was talking about the future of insurance in the context of all the technologies that are now being deployed, uh, the what is referred to as the Internet of Things, mm-hmm. and how that is inevitably going to push us back in the direction of risk mitigation. More than half the technologies that I see come through the Hartford InsurTech Hub or NASA reimagined here in Hartford, uh, the, the incubator and the accelerator that we have for InsurTech. That's More incredible. than half those technologies are uh, Internet of Things. They're strictly for risk mitigation, not for risk transfer. And if agents and brokers in particular because they're closest to the customer, can begin to embrace those technologies and help their customers with everything from smart homes to robotics in in their manufacturing facilities, understand how to embrace those technologies and use that data to better protect those firms and where they can't protect them provide the risk transfer mechanism, I think that we're going to see uh, a resurgence of agent broker uh, engagement with in, with insureds at all levels. Interesting. And, you know, that, uh, that switch to providing services, because the insurance carriers and the agents and brokers, they know all the service providers that are required to uh, handle claims uh, remediation, right? And so um, there's a tremendous opportunity here for us to shift the balance away from a purely financial instrument that has very little uh, potential loyalty built into it to something where there's more hands-on personal contact with the customer and something that they really value, you know, Uh, It's nice that you're there if I have a claim, but if you can help me to be safer, it's much better. That's where I see us going. I agree. In fact, back to the future. Yes. And I agree emphatically with what you're saying. For instance, there's a lot of companies now that are coming out with these IoT, Internet of Things. Um, for instance, uh, you you get a homeowner's policy, you get a 15 or 20 percent discount. They literally send you um, these two, three devices that you put throughout your house it it can modify the moisture in the air. It can or, or modify. It can uh, recognize yeah. the moisture in there. Yes, the fire, smoke. I mean, anything. I've seen also. They'll give you a clip on that you can put onto your water meter, and it can detect if yeah. your water is leaking. Things like that, and that's where I think um, that's where I think technology and data helps us and process helps us develop. Take the I see the the process uh, from beginning to end in insurance uh, with a consumer as three sections. You have the the part where they buy the policy and they need to get preventative services. And then there's the time that the policy is actually needed and used. And then it's after that. It's and it's and it's and it's coming up with how do we prevent it from happening? How do we take care of it before it does happen? And then how do we deal with it when it does happen and after that? And I kind of see those as, as three different things. And I think you're right. The Internet of Things is really helping in that first part of preventative. That's a lot of the things I'm seeing out there. Is there anything else you're seeing out there that's kind of interesting and new? Well, the, the one point on that issue before we get off the Internet of Things that I would stress very strongly is there are two different categories, so to speak, of IoT devices, risk mitigating devices. There are passive devices like the little disc that sits on the floor underneath your your washing machine and it detects moisture, okay? Mm -hmm. And then there are the active ones, the Nest thermostat is an example, which controls your thermostat. Mm -hmm. Before any insurance organization recommends the installation or 
finances it through uh, discounts, of active measures, they must ensure that the home is protected from cyber intrusion. Cybersecurity is absolutely essential as a precursor to any active IoT measures being recommended for the home or the business. Because there are people out there who will hack into systems for the pure joy of being able to do it. And in many cases, those people will notify, you know, the manufacturers or the distributors so that the problems can be addressed and they get bragging rights. But there are people who are, in fact, malicious. And there are ways in which uh, hackers can actually profit from their hacking, aside from the, you know, ransomware Mm -hmm. approach. Yeah. Okay. You know, we have a, a... you know, a, a very active investment marketplace. Okay. And mm-hmm. uh, there's this interesting little technique called shorting a stock. And uh, if you were to short the stock on a major corporation with tons of warehouses and then hack their warehouses and set off all their sprinklers at one time. You, you, oh, you, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You see? So, and Wow. Who knows why somebody would hack a uh, nest and cause thermostats, you know, to be turned down on all the nest homes in the Northeast while half those people are in Florida in the winter. But it could create enormous problems for the industry. Holy moly. I never thought of that. Okay. Holy cow. That and is an interesting look at that, Frank. This is why insurance companies need to do their due diligence. I will... I will not tell you the name of the company, but I had one of the first telematics devices that I got from my insurer. It was so early, I had to explain to my insurance agent what it was and the person from the insurance company who called me so that I could get it. I had it for less than three months, and they recalled it with a panic letter. And it was because in the early days, for some of the telematics devices that were plugged into the computer port on the on the car, mm-hmm. they gave every one of those devices the same machine ID, and those devices were addressable using SMS, simple texting. And some kids in engineering schools, schools in both the Northeast and in the West, virtually simultaneously began applying the brakes to some of the smartest cars out there uh, just to show what they could do, okay? Now, I got my telematics device back after another six months or so because the manufacturer corrected those problems. But before, before someone actually in the insurance business implements these technologies, they really need to be thinking about cyber liability. Once again, insurance comes in to ease that risk so that those things can happen. Because without something like cyber liability, this would happen. It would damage the industry and you wouldn't be able to keep going on. So once again, insurance saves the day. So back at those coffee shops, I've heard that little things like, you know, if the first of all, it wasn't called insurance, it was called cover. Yeah, uh, you know, like I was going to cover or get coverage. I heard that they would write whoever was going to who would who would win the bid or however they did that would write their name under the ship, which would be the underwriter, the person who wrote it under. I don't know if this is true. This is this is what mm-hmm. whiskeys and cokes do to you, Frank. You you, uh-huh. you, you, get, you get talking with a lot of your friends, and 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 stuff starts to come out. Um, any other cool things that relate to what we do today um, that you know from back then? What's a social contract you were talking about? Well, I mean, the I think we do a very poor job of communicating the value of insurance to our customers and to the the, the general public. I mean, mm-hmm. no business could survive, and the reason insurance arose was in order to enable those who were taking very very large risks insuring or or shipping goods and people over uncharted waters in primitive vessels. Uh, But if, if 
if they would not have taken the risk if there weren't some way of them being able to hedge their bets, because regardless of the skill of the captains involved, and here we come back to skill versus luck, you, you get caught in a very bad storm and your ship is going down. And so uh, that sort of maddening uh, situation where you've put your, your, your profits into a ship to, to send goods you know, overseas and it sinks and you are left with absolutely nothing, the ship owners and, and the financiers banded together to sort of spread the risk, a fundamental process. Okay, we'll all throw a certain amount of money in the pot and we'll use it to compensate those who, taking the risk, have lost. Mm-hmm. So um, that social good is something that we don't communicate well to our customers. And I think the reason for that is that we've reduced it to this very impersonal, purely financial transaction. And so if we can tip the scales back in the the other direction and give people some obvious social good, something that's tangible to them other than this piece of paper that I can't understand and help them mitigate their risk maybe help them reduce their costs because I've, I've got that Nest thermostat and now I can turn the, the temperature down during the day and turn it up an hour before I get home or even have it automatically do so based upon my, the, the position, the, 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 the geo uh, uh, positioning of my mobile phone, my Nest thermostat knows to come on when I'm within a half an hour of home. Right. So there, these are very tangible things that we can do for people. We can make them feel safer in their own homes and in their businesses. And that's a social good that people can identify with. Interesting. A piece of paper that guarantees that I will be given a certain amount of money, you know, when some bad thing that I don't want to have happen happens is, is not something that people equate with a social good. There's almost no way to position that as something that people will find as a positive experience. Are you ready to transform the way your business communicates? Look no further than Lightspeed Voice, the ultimate solution for insurance agencies seeking a seamless communication. I've used them for over eight years. I'm telling you, what I'm reading is the truth. Picture this, crystal clear calls, advanced features, unparalleled, flexible, tailored, just for you. That's Lightspeed Voice. Tired of drop calls and outdated systems? Lightspeed Voice has your back. Say goodbye to communication hiccups and hello to a new era of efficiency. I love that. Boost productivity with features like call recording, voice to email, and effortless call transfers. Work from the office, from home, or on the go. Lightspeed Voice keeps you connected wherever your business takes you. Don't worry about the transition. Our dedicated support and onboarding teams will guide you every step of the way. Make the switch to Lightspeed and join the ranks of satisfied insurance agency owners, like me, experiencing the power of seamless communication. Ready to elevate your agency? Visit lightspeedvoice.com or call 877.97-VOICE to schedule your free demo. Lightspeed Voice, we're more than just talk. Cast approved. Do you know Jim uh, Messiello? I can't. I think that's how you yeah. say his last name. The, the okay from SIA. The yes, the, I do. I knew I his dad he, actually. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm wow. Because now he's got now he has a son that Matt's getting ready to take over. So yeah. yeah. So wow. Okay. So so Jim said something the one time when I was listening to him talk back in 2010, 2011. He said he has a billboard or something like that that he puts up at one of his offices that um at the end of the year and we'll say blah blah insurance his insurance agency uh um, put seven million dollars into our community and surrounding region last year and he would show because that's how many claims had been paid how much in money in dollars had come from the insurance company into that community due to the coverages that he had 
And he highly encouraged other people to do that. And it kind of goes back to what you're saying right now, that social good. Like that was a way for him to expose to people like, hey, I know you just think you pay all the time, but my agency alone was responsible for $7 million in claims or how many ever that went back into 25, 30, 40 miles of here, right? Right. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to do. And I think it kind of goes back to what you're talking about with that social, the social good. I like that. And what's amazing is, is rather than using those preventative features and some of those other things that make you feel safe and other things, I think some of these insure tech companies, let's just pick on them for a minute because I'm not picking on them. We're just going to say them. Things like Lemonade and other places say that the social good is using some of that money to give to charities. And I think while that's good with millennials, I think that still only scrapes the surface or actually tries to run parallel to that that may not be the social good that needs to be sold and under explained, but maybe it is because it's just easy, right? People understand this and this happens and you donate to that well, rather than going through that whole thing. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a stage in my life where I don't think in terms of ors, I think in terms of ands. And uh, I think my, my insurance agent, someone whom you know, well, Chris Paradiso. Yep. Is, a terrific example of this. He's one of the people, for instance, he's the person who introduced me to Seth Saremba and Neon. He is, he is the, the person who uh, I was actually introduced to him by the insurance agent mobile app, you know, Matt and Kiki. Great and, people. And uh, so he's, he's someone who really embraces technology believes in technology, understands and has social media experts on his staff so that they can they can connect with people. But he also does all of the old traditional things as well. He runs the flag day barbecue for in his town and everybody turns out when 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 we had a claim, you know, he his people sent me a handwritten note card. Okay, the the his his support for uh, social service organizations in his community and throughout Connecticut is legendary. And so, you know, he's he's doing all the traditional things that an insurance agent would do to to connect with and build, you know, that that relationship with his customer. But he's also embraced all the technology he possibly can and is using it at the same time. That's that's the 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 approach that i like to see people take it's it's not a question of you know i mean lemonade does what they do uh they're a digital platform they're not using agents mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know i wish them well what's amazing uh, frank frank what's amazing is is in the last six to eight months they have been reaching out to a lot of us independent agents <laughs> and, and wanting isn't that ironic huh no it's it's very typical. <laughs> I know. I know. They all think that they don't need us until, you know, they have that big spike when they first start up and then things just flatten out. And then yep. they let a couple agents in and boom, they start skyrocketing and going, well, I guess we do need agents. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it's 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 a very, very common, uh, common thing. So. So, yeah, it really, truly is. Uh, Frank, you a reader? Yeah, absolutely. What do you, what do you I, do? I'm going to recommend I was going to recommend a book to you if you're interested in the early days of insurance. Yes. It's called A Conspiracy of Paper by David Liss, L-I-S-S. Okay. Fascinating book. Absolutely fascinating. And, and you know, it charts the early days of insurance and and also money, you know, the, the evolution of money. Huh. Wow. That does sound good. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Very cool. And we're trying so to... We're kind of geeks. I like that. I mean, don't you think it's good to be a geek, Frank? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's I mean, good forever. I I I started out reading science fiction when I was a kid. I still read science fiction, by the way. And I will tell you that part of the reason why I'm as enthusiastic about the technologies that I see today, it's because I have seen them and read them predicted in books 30, 40 years ago. Yes. And, And so if the human, you know, species can envision something, it can make it happen. So 
Frank, here's what's amazing is I got to keep this. Uh, we're going to walk this line here. There was a guy who owned a management system. And let me say this. There was a guy who owned a technology company mm-hmm. and um, has since moved on and whatever. And me and this person had talked, and he's very knowledgeable in the AMS realm and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Probably one of And he's always told me for the last year, year and a half, that neon won't work. <laughs> and he said, neon will not work, Jason. And I said to him finally one day, I, 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 had, the, I had the time to be able to do that. And I said to him one day, I said, Why? And he said, to know the inner workings of an AMS and how it works, it's just never going to work, Jason. And I think that he's actually right about that. But the thing he's losing sight of is things like Neon and the systems to come are not AMS systems. Correct. I think that uh, was the thing. They So uh, it's very interesting you should bring that up. As I mentioned, my insurance agent, Chris Paradiso uh, introduced me to um, Seth, um, and he did it in an interesting way. He said to me, you know, I met this guy, and, and he's an insurance agent. He built his own system, and so at which point my eyes have rolled up to the top of my head. Uh, Another one. I've, no, I've known a few. And, and he said, and uh, he, he thinks, you know, that all all the management systems, even the new ones out there are passe, that they've missed the point that they're, you know, it's not that you don't need them, but that they, they don't address the primary need of an insurance agent. And I, and I said, you're, you're saying this to piss me off, Chris, because, you know, I've written two, <laughs> you know, I've designed two management systems. And he, and he said, no, no, no. I just think he's a really smart guy and he's got some really good points. And I think you, you should meet. You should meet. So I did something I never do. I'm a consultant, okay? I don't go anywhere unless somebody else is paying. I paid (laughs) to fly myself to Cleveland to meet with Seth and spend the day in his agency uh, with his people. And I came away duly chastened. And it is obvious to me now that I and my fellow agency management system vendor you know, developers have missed a step that someone who really doesn't come from the industry, as Seth doesn't come from the industry, coming in from the outside, having tried four management systems in six years or something like that, he he has no patience for technology that doesn't work, has discovered. He found what was missing. And I also... I had the experience after having seen uh, the Neon platform in use of working with Chris on the conversion of his data from one management system, the AMS, actually two management systems, AMS and QQ, we had some on each, to the Hawksoft platform. And Hawksoft did a terrific job bringing the, the data all together, put it into one common SQL database, and I was able to analyze the data. And I noticed something, uh, having had this experience working with Seth and his people, and realizing that the communications that the agent does between their customers and their carriers and the third parties, all those solution providers that are out there that they bring to bear for risk mitigation and claims uh, adjudication, that there was an order of magnitude more data in those contacts, those communications, uh, emails, text, uh, transcribed voice uh, communications, orders of magnitude more data than in the simple business files that um, the agency management systems maintain for customer information, policy, billing, and claims. And, it came so strongly home to me when I simply counted the records. Uh, you know, Chris has thousands of customers and prospects, tens of thousands of policies, and millions, I'm not exaggerating, okay, millions of contact records, activities, notes, recorded phone conversations, emails, 
texts, millions, okay? It is indeed orders of magnitude greater amount of, of, of work being done by the people in those agencies in their unified communications with their customers. The problem in the management systems is those communications aren't unified. They're siloed according to the policy billing claims sales categories, and yep. they're also siloed because the management system, you know, integrates to a text, you know, solution, and that's that's stored stored over here, and they integrate to a me- email solution, and that's stored over here. They in- integrate to a voice solution, and the transcriptions for those conversations and and voicemails are stored over here. None of it is in any way aggregated such that you could properly analyze it. And part of that is most of that data is what we call unstructured data, free form text. And the people who are building management systems are focused on structured data, the stuff we can actually easily, quickly analyze, parse, you know, store and retrieve. The thought process in the management system vendors is that what good is that unstructured data, we can't do anything with it. Well, we now have technologies, AI and machine learning platforms with natural language processing, you know, that are capable of making sense of that unstructured data, of determining the customer's sentiment, of being able to glean optimal buying moments and so forth. And so what Seth has done is flip the paradigm on its head. Instead of this, you know, disparate collection of communications that's you know, stored in such a way in management systems that you can't make any sense out of it. He's put that as the top end of the pyramid. And that is where all of his analytics come from. He still uses the management system for billing and for processing forms and so forth. But those business transactions aren't the heart of what his people do. That's why it will succeed in a way that no management system can. So, so my thing, Frank, is that I've, I've said this, uh, okay, well, let me tell you this, first of all. So I, last year I knew I was going to have this really big, I had a really big premonition last uh, summer, um, about this thing called the great separator. And I saw it as here was the, 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 the foundation of it. I wrote the book called customer service is just foreplay. It's the modern customer experience that will separate you in 2015. Mm. And then in 2019, what I, re- or 2018, what I realized was, is that there was agents in my community who had read my book and were actually executing some of those strategies I'd said, and now was playing against and kind of, they were creating their own customer experience as well. Right. Yeah. So I started thinking to myself, how do I, how do I elevate myself past that? So after a lot of thought, a lot of wine and thinking about this, I thought to myself, I think I figured out called if the customer service is what separates you, then there's another thing called the great separator, which is even more important. And I started to derive this stuff and started looking at this differently. And I started listening to other people and and really writing down what they were saying and analyzing it. And I realized and I came up with this wild thing, and this was, and I wrote the Great Separator at the end, and then, and then I uh, did this presentation at IAOA at the end of January, and um, I, I keynoted it. It was, I thought it was fantastic. I didn't realize it at the time, but Seth Zarimba, who I did not know, had never met. We had exchanged one email between each other when Ryan Hanley had tried to hook us up uh, many, many, many months before, and it never went anywhere. And I said on stage, I said, the value of your data in your agency in the very near future will be worth more than the revenue of the commissions that you bring in. Mm -hmm. And probably if you're really good at it, it won't even be close. And everybody in the 700 and some people in the room looking at me like, what? What did he just say? What? That doesn't even make any sense. And I said, and I don't know what that looks like right now. I said, I don't know. I said, but I'm just telling you this. And so I hit a couple more points and I get off the stage and I'm not saying immediately, but within the next hour or two hours, I get a, 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 an email from Seth and he says, dude, I just watched your Facebook live. You need to call me as soon as you can. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I don't even know this guy. So I call him and he's like, Cass, we dream the same dream. Yep. 
I've built what you, what you're talking about. I'm like, what? And so I said, Hey dude, I'm at IOA. I'll give you a call when I get back. As soon as I get back, I call him. I said, Seth, so what is this? We sit down. He tells, tells me about it for 20 minutes. No joke. I'm the same story as you. I get off the phone. I call my business partner. I said, Travis, we're going to Cleveland. He was like, when? I was like, in two days. I said, the only reason we're not going tomorrow is we can save $150 per ticket if we go in two days. We'll just go in two days. And so we, we two days later, boom, we get up in the morning. We fly to Cleveland. We sit there for seven hours in the office like you did at Zinc. And we sat there and watched this thing work. And he explained it to us and broke it down. And I got back on the plane and this is what I said. And I mean this to this day. I said, I knew transformation would come to the industry eventually, but I was starting to wonder, was I going to see it? What I Was I going to be able to see this transformation? Mm-hmm. And I told Travis right then on the plane, I said, today, dude, we saw the transformation of the industry. Like we just witnessed it. Like that, yeah. that is it. And that's why when I came back and I was really talking about this, People just weren't getting it. And so we kind of had to quit talking about it because they keep on associating it as an AMS system. And unless you know the inner workings and the whole reason behind what he's doing, it's very hard to just give you a snippet of what Neon is. Doesn't that, wouldn't you say that that's right, Frank? Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, an agent who is thoughtful about his business and sort of clued into his operations would be able to pretty quickly pick up, you know, the the fundamental concepts of what we're talking about and appreciate it. A lot of guys and gals out there running agencies very successfully are fundamentally salespeople. And, you know, as far as they're concerned, everything that happens behind that is just necessary evil. Right. Good point. The, the, they don't have an understanding or appreciation for the process. Now, the don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, Seth's a pretty good salesman and so are you. Uh, and so is Chris Paradiso. So there are plenty mm-hmm. of people who get it. Okay. Although they may be primarily sales driven, they understand the value of the operations. And in particular, they understand the importance of the communications that their uh, service representatives have with those customers, because none of us makes enough money on new business to be able to afford to have it walk out the door after the first year. And so True. the, the, the value of a positive customer experience uh, to be able to build your agency organically over the long haul um, is, is all about what your customer service representatives and claims folks are doing um, in interacting with your customers and tracking that monitoring it, Giving them the, the the right system can even give them suggestions while they're mm-hmm. actively working with the customer about things mm-hmm. to say or not say, you know, mm-hmm. and all the communications can be done in English. I mean, in, in you know, mm-hmm. uh, we can now do natural language generation as well as natural language processing. So we're we're definitely on the cusp of a major shift. Seth doesn't need to convince a lot of people in order mm-hmm. to make this sea change begin. Okay. And I'm very confident that he's going to be successful and I will do everything in my power uh, in my declining years <laughs> to see it succeed so that I can see this shift take place in my lifetime. Frank, let me ask you this. Let's wrap up with this and let's say this. Everybody's thinking or has thought it to themselves. This guy, Seth, created this thing. It took him two or three years. He bootstrapped it, you know, did everything he possibly can. Now it's created into a corporation. It's getting there. They're going to load on 10 to 15 neon pilots. You know, they're going to start doing that in the next three, six months, have them up, whatever this could be. And there's people sitting here going, if this is so great, why is Applied or our Vertifor not putting their technicians behind something like this and making this happen in three months? Well, don't you think that's a valid question? It's a valid question. The thing is, Applied and Vertifor are selling systems that are already built. And those people um, don't necessarily think about computers and computer systems in as concrete terms as they need to. Okay. A computer system is every bit like a building, okay? 
it's it's got a foundation. It's got a first floor. It's got a second floor. It's got staircases, windows, and doors. All those things were put there by the designers with a vision as to how it was going to be used. You can wish all you want that the foundation was riding on top of the roof, but you're not going to be able to change the building to make that happen. You have to start from scratch with an entirely new blueprint. Wow. Well neither, said. Neither Applied nor Vertifor have the appetite for that kind of innovation. And candidly, their masters, the uh, private equity folks, watch those monthly numbers like a hawk, okay? And they're not exactly killing it out in the marketplace. In fact, they're slowly being eroded by new entrants. Um, you can raise your rates to try to compensate for that. You can also cut heads, but that almost always results in a reduction in innovation. And so those companies have both gotten to the size where doing what Seth is doing is you know, almost impossible. So I doubt that we'll see it happen. Will Seth have other competition? No doubt. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. the, the advantage that he has by already en enlisting some of the early adopter agents and insurance companies, it's worth noting. Yes, yes. You know, we all talk about customer 360 in this business, but in the American agency system, we have customer 180. That's okay? right. Mm -hmm. We can see what we've done with our customer. We can't see what our partners have done. And by getting the carriers to agree to, to you know, contribute their communications about, you know, with, with their mutual customers – so that they can analyze the entire customer view, uh, one view, you know, we, he's got a, an enormous leg up. There are lots mm -hmm. of people who will tell you that you could never get that done. And yep, uh, you're right. The and fact he's gotten it done. He's already gotten it done. You know, I, I just. The I players he's got into the game. The, mm -hmm. Like the companies that, and I'm not talking about insurance companies. I'm talking about other technological companies. It's yeah. it's pretty open. IBM, Salesforce, other types of of people who are looking at this and saying, and that's the thing too. That's why when I mentioned that other person who said that, I thought, you know, of all the smart people I've talked to that know this system, you are the only one to say that. And some of these people I'm listening to are, I'm not trying to say someone's smarter than the other person, but they're working in industries and they're seeing across other industries and saying, no, it's being done in other industries. It's just a matter of time before it gets done here. And it's, it do not get me wrong. It's a different metric. I mean, it's not like other industries and the fact and the way that we're doing things. It's very, it's very awesome. And it takes a great community, Frank, like the independent agent channel to know that we're a close enough community and we love each other enough, even though we're competitors that we're openly willing to share that data. And yeah. it's how can I, how can I make my data better so I can share more of it? That's not something you hear a lot. And I think especially a lot of the newer agents who have been in in the last just five to 10 years, you, 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 they've been brought into this community. And, and Frank, this community has always been here, right? It's sure. just been at a, it's been at an association mm -hmm. state or national level, you know, and, and it's been at that and it's still there and still strong. And I, I still applaud that. But I, I also know that like if, if I, um, okay, I'll just give you an example. This is a difference right here. If I am going to have an event next year, I used to think about, well, I wonder when the associations have their events because I don't want to overlap those. That doesn't really matter to me anymore. And it's not because I don't respect their event. It's the people that come to our events, five, seven hundred, nine hundred, a thousand. None of them are, are, are don't, they don't go to the big I events or they don't go to the PIA events or they don't go to any of those things anyway, mm -hmm. anyways. So it's interesting now that we're able to have that market. And one of the things that I want to do, and I'm on a mission to do it, is to let the industry know, to let those in the East know that those in the West are there and those in the West know that those in the East are there. Uh, we're here outside of just our associations and we I encourage people to be involved in their associations, no doubt. But at the same time, I think um, ACT, Agents Council for Technology, Ron Burke does a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes that pool of people 
needs refreshed. I think the CIOs are thinking that, the CTOs are thinking that, the carriers, the vendors, the AMS systems, everybody's thinking that. And so when I say, hey, there's a work group over at ACT for API integration and stuff, most of the time people go, first of all, I didn't know there was such thing as a work group and I never heard of it. What's ACT and where, where does this come from? And so, and but the thing about it is, is if you took those 5,000, 10,000 agents and you put them in a room with those people, they would be like, okay, wait a minute. These are the people we need to be talking to, right? They're the ones who understand this technology. I had Jim, uh, I can never, Rogers, I think for Hartford. Yep. Uh, yeah. Jim and I serve on the Ivan's uh, advisory board together and we meet every year. And, and Jim said something to me about three or four years ago that really rung my bell. And and I think this is what I'm getting to, Frank. He said, he's, we were talking about coming up with different technology that we could use that Ivan's could help support um, and push the data through the management system. And, and I said, you know, if we could invent this or this, and me and this other agent uh, were talking and, and we we're like, yeah, if we could invent something like this. And, 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 and I said, Jim, how much do you think that that would cost? He says, Jason, let's just say it costs $5 million to build just for simple numbers. He said, you're expecting me to go back to my big wigs and to the people who I need to get funding from. And I'm going to ask for $5 million for a project when we have a project list that's longer than you know the, mm-hmm. the, the, the list that Santa gets from all the kids. <laughs> and not only that, it's not only is it long, but we just came out with two or three products that industry said they wanted. And we spent 5 to $10 million and we've got like 1% to 2% penetration rate. Mm-hmm. And so now I got to go back and ask for that same amount of money for this new thing. And as I told Jim then, and he agreed, he understood, um, and we're talking to the wrong people. Number one, some of the people we're listening to aren't really the ones that are truly on the ground trying to build that customer experience and enhance that relationship. They're really not. And then when they do sometimes build something, the carriers do or vendors do, they approach the wrong people to make it see through. They think that, oh, well, this will work because, you know, they've always done it or whatever it is. And I think that if we can change that perception and, and, oh, and, and not, not take, not look away from what we're doing now, but if we can broaden that spectrum to look out and say, oh, okay, wait a minute, there's these five, 10, 15,000 agents. There's, there's an agency group out there called automated insurance agency, Frank, mm-hmm. they're a Facebook group. It's ran by Travis Gensler. These people in there, are so smart, they should not be insurance agents. They should be like making rocket ships or something. I mean, because these people in there, when I'm reading through their posts and just, I mean, they're talking about things that with automation and they're literally opening up the software of their own management systems and getting in there and changing things around and making things work. And you'll talk to somebody and say, hey, does anybody have true integration with uh, travelers? And three of them will pop up and go, yeah, we do auto only right off our website. People can put in their policy numbers. And then, you know, six of them are like, yeah, well, I'm working on this carrier and this carrier. And it's like, I know ACT being so involved. I know what they're trying to do. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if you guys were in that room. And that's one of my goals, Frank, is we've got to mesh that and bring that together to realize there's a whole nother group of agents out there that can help facilitate and be the knowledge behind where we need to go. That group is very familiar with Neon. That group is not some of the mainstream people anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that's where you're going to see this huge push. I created this podcast in 2013 so that I could get people's voice like yours and Seth's out to the industry. Guy said to me the other day, he said, aren't you upset that there's all these podcasts and now you're one of 10? I said, no, the reason why I created this was to get the word out. Mm-hmm. If there's nine or 10 of us that are getting the word out, that's how we're going to make forward change and momentum in the industry. And, and we've got to just let people more know about that in a rounded way. Sorry, I went off on that. I, I truly feel very, very strong about that. I, I have I have a 10 o'clock conference call, so I'm going to have to skip. But it's been a real pleasure, Jason. I'm it's been a fantastic. And I, and, I, and I greatly appreciate you taking your time and coming on. And if anybody wants to reach out to you, how would they get a hold of you? Just through LinkedIn? Uh, LinkedIn. Uh, my contact information is actually in LinkedIn, unlike most people's. My email address is frank 
at Scentwood, S-E-N-T-W-O-O-D.com. And my mobile number is 860-794-7806. Gave it out right on there. I don't want to make you late. Thanks again, Frank. I really do appreciate it. And for all you loyal listeners, tell me your thoughts, tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. Frank and I are out. Are you looking for an insurance community to join? Have you heard of the LAAIA? The Latin American Association for Insurance Agents is just not for Latins. Their focus on diversity and inclusion over the last few years has made this 54-year-old association one of the fastest growing and the most dynamic associations in the industry. With established chapters in Florida, Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, and Denver, it's no surprise this association has the attention of everyone in this industry. Their upcoming national convention on beautiful Marco Island includes keynote speaker Trisha Griffith, the CEO of Progressive. National leaders from around the country like Marshberry, Vertifor, Lula, and more will be here on center stage as well. And whether you're an independent agent, a captive agent, life or health agency, or even a financial services professional, this association offers you everything you need to network and grow your business. Make sure you check them out and consider joining me, Jason Cass, at the next upcoming convention. It's going to be August 21st, the 24th, at the JW Marriott on stunning Marco Island. This has been Cass Approved.